Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Pod, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts. First is Alessandro Senator. Alessandro, how are you? Very good, Kyle. How about you? I'm doing good. And we have Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you? How's things going? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Awesome. So, fantasy football. Week three is here. I mean, we're basically about 24 hours away from the the Thursday night game, so we'll explore that game and a, a few of the other games on the Sunday slate for this episode. Um, and I guess we'll just begin. So I'll talk about the Titans-Jaguars a little bit. Uh, some of the players in this matchup, I think, are going to be starts every week, namely two for the Titans, Derrick Henry and Delaney Walker. Uh, Walker, simply just because the tight end position is so bleak that, I mean, on any given week, he could be the leading receiver, uh, at least leading target for the, the Titans and good chance to get touchdowns. No red zone targets this week, but I think he's still a pretty good play every week. And Derrick Henry has been doing well even in losses, which was the the poison last year. Uh, he's somewhat involved in the passing game, well, that's still kind of Deion Lewis's role, but at least he's getting a lot of carries, at least even in, in games where they're losing. And I mean, it was a close game last week. I think it's going to be another close game this week, so I can see a big workload for Henry. And even though it's a tough defense with the Jags, I I think I'd play him. Uh, Mariota's a little scary because this Jags defense is so great. Uh, it's super flex leagues. If you've got three good quarterbacks and two of them have good matchups, and Mar- I would bench Mariota in that case. But if you're stuck, uh, I mean, you could probably do worse. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd look to avoid him this week. And same with A.J. Brown, a rookie. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's playing tomorrow. If he's not, it, it, maybe maybe I'd look at A.J. Brown. He might end up with A.J. Boye on him, uh, though that could definitely go to Corey Davis, I think. and. I think of the two, right now, Brown's showed us a bit more uh, high-end. He had the 100-yard game. Sure, that wasn't against the Jags' defense. I don't think he'll get 100 yards in this game, but I think I'd play Brown over Davis, and that's why I think I'd sit Davis. And I say sit Lewis, but uh, maybe in such a close game, they can use him to pass more, but I don't know. I, I don't really feel confident playing either of those two players. And even, even A.J. Brown's sketchy, but I guess we'll see what happens with Ramsey. Uh, for the Jags, quickly, uh, I mean, Minshew, DJ Chark, Chris Connolly... They they could do well. I mean, that's that those seem to be uh, Minshew's top two targets. So I think if you any of those three maybe could be played. I don't know that that's the greatest matchups. I definitely would look to sit D.D. Westbrook though, who seems to not get targeted by Minshew at all. Like what did he have last week? Uh, one catch, and then uh, he doesn't look like he goes to the tight ends too often either. So I don't think there's any tight ends worth playing there. Um, any guys want to mention anything before we talk about a certain player? Um, sure. I'll talk about Gardner Minshew. Um, I think he is a pretty quality backup, especially coming in in the situation I talked about him in the last episode. Uh, when Nick Foles went down, he came in, and even though he's a rookie, he looked like he was really comfortable with the offense, and I think Jacksonville is really going to need that tomorrow. I think they're going to have to try to keep pace with Tennessee. Um, I don't know necessarily. I haven't decided if the game is going to be really high scoring or if it's going to be kind of low scoring, but either way, uh, Jacksonville, I think, has a disadvantage this week when it comes to having more successful drives. Um, So I think they're going to rely on Gardner Minshew. And although um, I wouldn't necessarily start the wide receivers in Jacksonville, I think he's going to be able to spread the ball around. So while one of them might not have the biggest standout of a day, I think Gardner Minshew is going to throw the ball more than uh, the ball would be run against Tennessee. Um, So I think if you're in need of a quarterback, especially since a couple went down, there probably weren't too many big names on the waiver wire for you. Um, So personally, if I was in that situation, I would consider starting Gardner Minshew 
I've in my fantasy league this week. And I'm guessing you're you're saying that in less and like you said, less in favor of the run game for Jacksonville. Uh yeah, in this week, yes. So I guess it's almost fair to say you're kind of uh, not looking uh, too highly on a certain player, or maybe maybe. Um, and I think this is something uh, I know Alessandra and I talked about in the summer with our former co-host Dean Williams. But uh, we're going to get to uh, a court appearance here. Apparently, uh, I know I'm really high on Leonard Fournette. Maybe maybe too high. I've uh, kind of really liked him since he came out of college, and uh, I've just loved the workload he's getting, especially a lot around the red zone. So uh, I, I know I'm I'm in the camp that he should be started every week. I don't know if, how you guys feel about that. Um, I personally don't see him as a must start, but I tend to pick a lot of my starters based on their matchups and not necessarily where they go in a fantasy draft. Yeah, and that's a good point. Uh, if I look at these two weeks, and uh, my my whole thing with Fournette is even in tough matchups, he's still getting targets. And it was mentioned he got six targets last week. Uh, so these first two weeks they haven't been great, as we mentioned. Tough matchups. Uh, week uh, two last week against the Texans. I mean, that's a it's a pretty quality defense. I know the Saints lit them up, but yeah, the Saints' offense is definitely not what the Jags' offense has to offer. And Leonard Fournette's definitely not as talented as Alvin Kamara, uh, but he still managed to finish as an RB twenty three in half point PPR leagues, which would make him a starter. I know it's it's a low end of the, of the starting spectrum, but. Uh, if you need him as a, as a flex play to get you that floor, if you kind of trust the rest of your, your lineup, I think he's a solid kind of plug in every week. Uh, and eventually once the good matchups are here, it's going to uh, be better. I know this week is, is another one of those tough matchups. As you mentioned, the Titans run defense has been pretty difficult. Uh, Cleveland, Nick Chubb had a decent day against them. He didn't get the touchdown, but Dontrell Hillier did. So they did allow a rushing touchdown in that game. Uh, and unlike the Browns, Fournette seems to be the only running back in town, at least getting any significant carries. He's the only running back that they use in the red zone, even though, he, as I said, he hasn't got that many carries this year. But he's we've seen this with this coaching staff in the past, him get enough that I think the touchdowns are eventually going to come. And uh, it could be this week, even in a, in a tough run matchup. I definitely would be look to the injury reports tomorrow, see if Cam Robinson's playing. I think that really helps his chances as I would, if your left tackle coming back. Even week one in a tough matchup, he still finished RB28. So just outside being a, a, a an RB2, but still an RB3. So again, a, a decent flex option, I think. So uh, that's my argument. Kayla, why do you uh, do you have, want to add anything to this? Yeah, um, so you bring up a good point about how he did improve from a running back 28 to a running back 23. However, saying that you would use him in a flex play doesn't make sense with where you most likely took him in the draft. He arguably went... Uh, in most leagues, probably towards the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. So with that being said, if you took him that high, you most likely don't have two other top 23 running backs that are better than him. Therefore, when you take him that high, you have to play him. But if he's only coming in at running back 23 and you took him in the first round or the beginning of the second round, uh, you're not you're not using uh, your draft picks wisely in a fantasy draft if that's uh, how your first round payoff comes in. Um, so I, he did prove me wrong getting six targets again. I know I said in our last episode that I thought that was an outlier. Um, so it's definitely uh, helpful that he got six targets again um, in a game. Uh, but I, it does concern me that he had two more carries but had 20 less yards in the game against Houston on the ground. Um, it brought his 
yards per carry down significantly to just over three. Uh, so when I'm looking at that, I either want them to feed the ball more so that he has a better chance to get more yards per carry or just target him more in the receiving because he's obviously not getting it done on the ground. So um, I think he has a tough matchup against Tennessee, like you were talking about, um, even though Chubb had a little bit of success and they did allow a rushing touchdown. I hope for his sake that he does get a rushing touchdown, but the yards per carry definitely concern me, especially if you took him as early as you did in your draft thinking that he was going to be a solid starter every week. Uh, I know, yeah. First round pick on Fournette. I did that. I definitely did that in 2018. That was not a mistake. I made we made in 2019. I think I ended up taking him at the like a uh, like I think an early fourth, like a 402 in one draft. Uh, ended up like my third running back. So I, I guess in my case, I am kind of using him as a flex spot in that case. But I could see definitely someone who uh, maybe was a little higher on him. Uh, I know he burned me so much last year that I, I think I psychologically lowered him a little bit to where. I kind of feel him more as a, as a flex play like that. But yeah, you're right. There are some people who aren't, aren't seeing him that way. And I guess that would be the mistake. And hopefully that's people who I know we, we I know I mentioned on the show all the time, running back depth is important. So uh, I'm sure there are some good matchups out there for running backs that are available. So there is definitely consideration to do it. I, I just, I don't know. I feel the floor is there. Uh, any closing statement? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if he fell to the spot where you were talking about in your draft, then, um, obviously, you probably take him over maybe some second string or third string uh, wide receivers or people like that in your league. Um, so that kind of changes the argument a little bit. Uh, definitely when I was doing mock drafts and just from the experience in my fantasy drafts, uh, I never saw him fall that low. Um, so maybe that's a positive or a negative in this situation. But I think taking a larger sample size of him going forward is really going to help this argument. And maybe we can revisit it in a few weeks when the season gets a little more underway. All right, so uh, yeah, I think you've been waiting to say this the whole time. Judge Alessandro, <laughs> pass, pass your judgment. You both make compelling arguments, but I want the rule in Caleb's favor. All right, I admit defeat. I'm still playing him, though. Uh, but here, okay, I know, I know we do matchups on a, a Sunday. Can I ask you guys this one? This is a scenario that I'm going to be faced with. Sure. Fournette versus the Titans, or Frank Gore versus the Bengals? Frank Gore, 100 times out of 100, no thought. Give me Gore. Wow, okay, unanimous there. Hmm. I definitely want to wait and see. If Singletary's out, I, I, I'm actually with you guys 100%. If Singletary's in, I don't know. It could be a shootout, and you know, when they were behind against the Jets, we saw way more Singletary. When we saw Gore is when they were up early, so... Uh, as much as I do have faith in that defense, if Singletary's around, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Gore's going to get nearly the volume that Fournette's going to get. So, uh, unfortunately, I hope by Thursday night we have some type of clarity because that'll make that decision a lot easier. Yeah, I personally think Singletary's going to be out just because, again, practice today and he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Those definitely take a couple of weeks for them to get fully healthy. So, even if Singletary plays, he has to have a decrease in reps. And he already got... Um, outrepped last week by Gore. Um, so, you know, the reports aren't too positive right now. Obviously, it's only Wednesday, so that could change, but it does definitely put you in a, in a difficult position tomorrow night. Um, but I, you know, personally, if I have to set my team, I I put Fournette in my flex, like you were talking about, and leave it open in case I want to change my mind. But that's tough. 
And, and it's funny, we were talking about him as a flex player. One thing I'm definitely not doing, though, is playing him in the flex spot because I'm not, and again, I, I, I may hark on this every week, but players that are playing on Thursday night, put them in their positional spots. I'm putting him in my running back one spot, right? Even though he's not my running back one, but I don't want to play him in my flex and suddenly lose my flexibility. I mean, by by putting him in Thursday night, I could decide instead of Gore, I could go with a third wide receiver and instead right whereas if you're putting him in that flex spot you're already letting him yourself that okay you're gonna have to play three running backs so i think for any any player Thursday night, not just for but all of them don't put them in your flex spot save that flexibility for the weekend that's what makes it so that's what makes it the advantage of the flex spot right you can kind of have versatility sunday if something happens uh during the week or a player's inactive and uh yeah so uh, definitely if you're gonna play him don't play him in the flex spot uh so i think Okay, well, I've already mentioned Frank Gore and the, and the Bills and uh, the Bengals. It's actually a perfect transition to the next game. So, Alessandro, why don't you preview your AFC uh, East rivals against, uh, I guess, hosting the Bengals here. So, Yay. So, you have the Bills and the Bengals this week. Um, Sean McDermott's defense is still looking as good as ever. Josh Allen is trending um, in a very good fashion. Um as far as the Bengals go, um, John Ross is still doing John Ross things, which I'm a big fan of, as you know from the last episode. Um, Kay was on his way out of the league when, when he had his second chance. Um, bit of news, though. A.J. Green um, was on the field practicing. Um, he did not look – he was not limping. He was not uh, gimping or anything of that nature. Um, so – I'm not saying he will be playing this week. Um, it's a strong possibility, but I don't think he uh, he will be. Uh, probably next week, uh, which is good news for any fantasy owners that have him. Um, don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back, but uh, assuming he does come back healthy and strong, uh, he will be prolific like he always is. Um, as far as players in this uh, game that you want to pick, well, first off, uh, hold on before I even get to that. Uh, Corey Glenn, their offensive tackle, he did not uh, practice. He is questionable play. Brian Glasgow, CJ Uzma, and Carl Lawson are all questionable. Uh, they were all limited in practice this week. Uh, Devin Singletary was limited in practice, but in his status is questionable. So is Andre Robert, Tredavious White, and Terion Johnson. Um, White was a full participant in practice. The other two were limited practice today. Uh, so we'll see how they trend right now. Uh, so with that being said, as far as Bengals players go, um, for at least fantasy football, you could take um, you could take Andy Dalton if you have him in a deep super flex league uh, or just deeply whatever. Um, he has been putting up some good points. Uh, definitely want to uh, stay away from the backfield. Uh, Joe Mixon played against the 49ers, uh, 11 carries, 17 yards. He took away all those carries against Giovanni Bernard. Um, but I don't think that would have mattered much with the run stop the 49ers had. So um, I still would stay away from the backfield, at least this week, <gasps> against the Bills, who are one of the better run stops. They were number two last year in the run stop. Um, as far as wide receivers go, uh, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, uh, anything after that, it's a crapshoot. Good luck trying to find anything. Um, so, yeah, Andy Dalton, 
Tyler Boyd and John Ross are only guys that I think you should be able to play against the Bills that will actually give you some points. Uh, even then, that's questionable. As far as the Bills go, again, still trending, still have that uh, uh, dominating defense. Um, as far as players you could go right now, I would go Josh Allen. He had another beautiful game against the Giants. Again, it's the Giants, but had another beautiful game, 19 for 30, which is bad on the completion scale, but he had 253 yards and touchdown. So um, definitely like him there. Uh, he also has that rush, rushing production upside where he actually took one of the carries in to the end zone, seven carries, 21 yards. So Josh Allen is a big um, big guy you could play, definitely as QB1. I think he's like the second QB overall right behind Lamar, second or third in fantasy. Um, Frank Gore uh, is definitely a, a flex play here if Devin Singletary is out. Uh, Frank Gore can be a flex play, possible RB2, but uh, that's a situation that we have to monitor going forward. Um, Cole Beasley, John Brown are the only two guys you can truly trust on the Bills wide receiver core to play. Um, after that, it's just been a crapshoot with tight ends, running backs, and uh, fullbacks if you want add Patrick DeMarco in there. And then, uh, obviously, you won't play the Bills defense because they've just been prolific and good. And I'm pretty sure they're number one in takeaways. So um, this game's more bill-sided. Although I don't mind actually taking the Bengals' defense because Josh Allen is known to turn it over. I know he didn't last week, uh, but it's, I don't know. I, the Bengals aren't that great of a defense, so maybe he's, he doesn't do it against them. Uh, you're right, Alessandro. I, I did just look it up. Uh, Andy Dalton is second in the league in passing yards right now. Um, unfortunately, only four touchdowns, so he ends up being... I think he's quarterback 10. So he's still, you know, he's been a starting quarterback this this time, even in one QB league. But yeah, I, I don't know. Playing him in Superflex this week, I think, is a risky proposition, personally. It's because this Bills defense is pretty great and they are missing their top weapon. As good as John Ross has been, uh, I don't think he's been covered by a corner that's as good as Tredavious White. So that, I don't know. I'm, uh, I have, I think I have Ross in one of the two leagues. I'm looking to, I'm looking elsewhere this week or trying to look elsewhere anyway. I know his, he does have the upside and, he has done well the last two weeks, but it just this defense, this defense just knows how to, how to, you know, put a stranglehold on teams. I think I remember a game was it last year or the year before that these two teams played the Bengals and the Bills, and I think the Bengals were kind of starting hot. AJ Green was healthy, and it, it, everything was going well, and the Bills just you know suffocated them on defense. I think it was a gr- a gritty Tyrod Taylor victory. You know, there's a few of those where he kind of had to win with his legs more with his arms, and those close victories. It's kind of similar to what Josh Allen's doing there. Um, I don't know. I, I just. Andy Dalton scares me. I think there's better. Uh, I, I like Kayla's point of Gardner Minshew. I think that I would definitely rather play Gardner Minshew this week uh, than than uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, Kayla, any? Do you want to talk about this, or do you want to just get the Dolphins and get that out of the um, way? Uh, <laughs> Rip uh, that bandaid off. I'll, I'll bring up this one point real quick. Um, you brought up a good point about John Ross and Tre'Davious White. I was going to bring up Tre'Davious White actually. Um, I think this is going to be John Ross and really Tyler Boyd's first real test against um, a good secondary or better than average secondary, in my opinion. Um, Obviously, John Ross has been stellar this year so far. Um, I think he has at least, if you're in a PPR league, at least 20 points per game, might be higher um, in each of the first two games. But I think 
obviously, you know, Andy Dalton's going to have to throw to somebody, right? Um, but I think they're kind of more of a bust alert than a must start this week because they have a high ceiling, but um, they kind of start kind of low on the totem pole. Um, especially with Buffalo favored, it will help their cases um, because, you know, Andy Dalton might have to throw, but uh, if, it, if it's forced and Buffalo's defense know that the throw is coming, it's going to make it harder. And um, both of them haven't really showed me that they are super in uh, in-game adjustments. So having them as a must-start kind of concerns me. Um, maybe play them as a flex if you want to, if you're struggling with injured wide receivers um, and you happen to have them, that's a good choice. But as for me, I would be scared to must-start them this week. Uh, to your point, uh, Kayla, it was, uh, yeah, 30, uh, what is it here, 37 points, 37.3 points in week one. In a, this is in full PPR, and then 23.2 last week. So you're right, 20 yeah. points each week. Uh, in half-point PPR, he is the number one wide receiver right now uh, through two weeks. So, uh, you know, take that for what it is. But, yeah, I, I, I don't mind playing Tyler Boyd in this matchup. I think he, he yeah, playing in the slot, he kind of avoids the more difficult part of this defense. Still got some good safeties there over the middle, so it's not going to be easy. But if, I think if there's one player to play from the Bengals, I don't know. I think I, I mean I think I think I'd still have to choose Mixon though, just because he catches enough passes. Uh, he gets a lot of red zone work. He had three carries last week. Uh, didn't get any in, and that was the problem. I mean, he, he, it, all three were inside the five too, so he definitely had the opportunity to score touchdowns. It's probably not going to be easier this week, but I think if there's those are maybe the only two Bengals players I'd really consider Mixon and Boyd. Uh, but yeah, you can go on and uh, talk about the Cowboys-Dolphins. Yeah, sure. Um, so, with no surprise, just like last week, I'm not starting any Dolphins players. Shocker. Um, so, if we go to the Dallas side of the ball, um, I'm starting Dak Prescott. I think there's another good chance for him to show he deserves a pay raise before his schedule actually becomes too tough to make a compelling case. Um, I think Prescott, I'm not, I haven't been super high on him um, since he's been in the league. However, from a fantasy standpoint, um, he has another good matchup where he'll easily be able to throw the ball. Um, and that brings up Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb. I'm going to start both of them, especially uh, with Michael Gallup already officially being ruled out with a meniscus injury. And his timetable to return uh, isn't known yet. So picking up Randall Cobb, I know I said last week that a lot of people probably used a waiver claim on them. So he, he might already be picked up in your league. But if he's not, um, it's good to note that Michael Gallup is indefinitely out um, and you know, they don't have a realistic timetable return. Now, it could be a week. It could, you know, just be a slight outstretching meniscus. I mean, I know how that feels. Like, you know, I've had a similar injury. Um, but it could also be extended weeks. So, if you want a wide receiver for this week and Randall Cobb is available, pick him up. Um, he, he's going to be a good starter. Um, play the Dolphins. Even though their defense got a lot better, uh, the Cowboys are going to be able to spread the ball around a lot, especially when they incorporate the run game with Ezekiel Elliott, I expect him to be, if not the best running back of the week in the top three. I think he's going to run all over Miami just because of his size. Um, and the Dolphins defense is just simply trying to put all the pieces together and work together. Um, I'm also going to start the Cowboys defense. Miami has shown me that they have no offensive game. They have no offensive connection. Um, even when... Fitzpatrick left the game last week after having three interceptions, two of which were back-to-back pick sixes. I mean, you can't sustain an offense like that. Um, when Rosen came in, he, he threw perfect passes to the receivers, and Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams both dropped touchdowns in the game. Um, 
when you targeted his running backs, they dropped short passes. I mean, they can't they can't sustain even a first down. So uh, especially where points against on your defense uh, hurt you in some way. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are going to give that many points to the Dolphins at all. Um, and I also have tight end Jason Witten for Dallas as a sleeper in this game. Um, there's a couple of injuries to running backs and a couple of question marks, or sorry, with tight ends and a couple of question marks to tight ends. Um, but Witten has a touchdown in each of his first two games. And with the way Miami's defense is playing uh, and Michael Gallup out, there's going to be many guys open on offense for Dallas against Miami. Um, and he's going to be one of them just simply, again, because of his size and his capabilities to not only block, but also make it look like he's blocking and being open in the field. Uh, so that's what I got for that one. So uh, I, Kyle, I, I have to ask this real quick. Sure. Um, so um, I get questions from time to time from people. Uh, I got a question. Um, some guy asked, who should he play as his wide receiver two? Um, his first one is Julio. Um, he asked, should he, pl- uh, should he play? And this was an auction league, so that's why he uh, has so many big names. Should he play AB against the Jets, or should he play Cooper against the Dolphins? Um, I would say Amari Cooper only from the standpoint of New England having so many options on offense to score. That uh, Brown, I think he, even though he had a touchdown last week, I think he had 54 yards, 50-some yards in the game. Um, I don't so, even think, I think it might have been, yeah, just over 50 or maybe even under 50. It might have even been like 40 or 46 yards, I think. Yeah, somewhere around there. But in this game, especially with Michael Gallup, I mean, I don't think Michael Gallup was a huge, you know, offensive threat to Amari Cooper in his time playing with him in Dallas. But um, there's just less options on the field for Dallas to throw to, which uh, you can make the argument that helps and hurts, but there's no doubt that, you know, the Dolphins have given up big plays and big yardages to number one wide receivers or just receivers in general, uh, looking at, you know, Marquise Brown, obviously in week one. I mean, yes, he had those two long touchdowns where we wouldn't be talking about him, but um, they didn't necessarily have a lot of offensive weapons to throw to either, and he was able to come out with that stat line for catches, 147 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I expect Amari Cooper to have more catches than four, and uh, I think he has he's going to get over 100 yards. In my mind, there's no question about that. Um, I don't see the Dolphins' defense locking down so much that he's going to struggle at all. Um, even if they choose to run the ball more and he gets 20 rushes or more, um, he's the prominent passer or prominent receiver in their passing game. Um, so I like the fact that he's going to probably get more targets than Antonio Brown, most likely have more yards, and he might have more scores. Antonio Brown so, had four catches for 56 yards, just as a clarification. It was 56, not 46. Okay, my mistake. Uh, looking at playing time, I mean, last week Amari Cooper played in 91% of the offensive snaps for Dallas. Uh, Brown played in 33. <laughs> but then uh, one other stat that I think is really telling is part of my red zone report, which came out today. For those who want to check the full report, talk about all the red zone touches and targets for all players through all teams. Uh, Brown, even though he played 33% of the snaps last week, he had five red zone targets. 
um, the league leaders through two weeks have six, and I'll get to them in a sec. But uh, you know, Brown to get five in one game is pretty. I don't know, it's pretty crazy. I mean, the only thing that was crazy was Sony Michelle got six red zone carries last week. So it tells you what they want to do against the Dolphins and what I expect the Cowboys will do. Uh, through two games this year, Cooper has one red zone target. Now, as Caleb mentioned, his advantage, long touchdowns. He doesn't need red zone targets to score. So with that being said, I think I, I think I probably would have to agree with you, Kayla, that even though Brown kind of has that upside of just the sheer volume of these huge games, Cooper, you know, especially with, with Gallup out, is probably just going to see more targets, going to be on the field probably a lot more. Because uh, he only played about, I think it was 77% of the snaps in week one. So with Gallup out, he played more on the field. I don't know if that's necessarily cause and effect or just it, just the way that things fell. But, I mean, I, I could definitely see him repeating this 91% uh, snap count. And, I I mean, I think Brown's going to play more than 33% of the snaps. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think I'd still side with Cooper just because it is such a great matchup. I think it is in both cases. But, uh, you know, pick on the Dolphins. Sorry, Kayla. Uh, just to keep going with that, Yahoo's really picking on the Dolphins. I've never seen this. I've been playing Yahoo DFS for a few years now. Uh, defense minimum price has been $10. There's never been anything lower. The Dolphins' defense this week is $5. They are just begging people to pick them. And I I, I, I don't think anyone's going to take them still. I don't know who Even for $5, like it, it, in, a, in DFS, that still seems like it's too much. Yeah, the earliest I even think about taking the Dolphins' defense, if I really need a defense, is week six against Washington at home. Before... Uh, they're not on my radar. Depends on the Jets games. Uh, even the Bills games, just because, again, we mentioned Josh Allen likes to turn them over. So there's a few games you can play in this year, not the Cowboys, not the way they've been playing right now. Right, yeah. Dolphins just get the Redskins in week six, and they don't play the Bills or the Jets ahead of that. So I'm not even – it's going to take a lot. I might do it just for the hell of it, and people are like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm going to be like, I'm not scoring points on That's what's up. <laughs> it's all about matchups anyway. I, you know, I don't think there's any defense that I would never play. Again, it's – if the – if the matchup's good enough, they're good enough to play. If that's like, you know, waiver wire, especially late in the year, especially in bye weeks, you know, you don't always get the best options. So if you take the best matchup you can get, if it just happens to be the, the you know, the Dolphins against Washington, then you take it. I love your Jason Witten call, to be honest. Uh, just like Brown, he has five red zone targets through the, this, uh, the two games so far this year. So his touchdowns really aren't fluky. They're, they're using him that way. They want him as a red zone weapon. It seems like that's how Dak's using him. Uh, the only players with more red zone targets than Jason Witten, there's three. There's Larry Fitzgerald and Zach Ertz. They both have six, as is the next guy. Zach Ertz got them all last week, which led all receivers last week, actually. Uh, whereas Larry, I think it's been three and three. So it's, again, consistent usage as a red zone target. I, I, and I expect that's what's going to happen with Zach Ertz with all their injuries. That, that, that will repeat. The other player who has uh, six red zone targets, and this, I don't know, this player's really surprised me this year. I know I've been concerned about the him coming off the Achilles, but it's Emmanuel Sanders with six red zone targets, including a, a key touchdown grab to take the lead late in that game. They, they ultimately lost. Uh, and I mean, maybe there's some fire coming into this matchup that... Uh, much as I'm looking at this game, like, oh yeah, I think I think the Packers got this. It's maybe yeah, they're they're probably pretty fired up about that win. And well, I think the Packers defense will do well. I, I would still start Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he, Jair Alexander is probably going to be covering him. Although I do wonder if maybe they play Jair Alexander on Cortland Sutton. We'll see. I think maybe in light of Sanders' touchdown, that might change things. Uh, so I feel like whoever's on whoever Kevin Kevin King get will probably have an easier day. Although 
uh, I don't know. It's it's tough corners either way. I think Sanders just seems to get the volume to to warrant playing him even in this tough matchup. I, I'm less likely to play Sutton. He's, you know, Sanders is a vet. He's played this game for years. I mean, he played this Packers team in a Super Bowl. So, you know, they, they didn't win that game either. But actually, I was going to say he produced. I think he caught one pass, but then he got injured. So it's not, it doesn't really count. But uh, I don't know. I, I have more faith in Sanders than I do in Sutton. And I kind of like Lindsey and Freeman. We saw what Delvin Cook did on a, a big one explosive run. He was mostly held in check, though. Uh, the reason I like them both is just their involvement in the passing game. They both got, I think, six targets last week. So uh, I kind of expect this another <laughs> game they're going to be behind. I don't think there's any secret the way the Packers defense performed against the Vikings at stretches. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the the Vikings defense is better than the Broncos defense. I know the, the pass rush is pretty good, but everywhere I look at this matchup, I'm just seeing... You know, I, I look, I measure these teams up in terms of position to position from one side to another. I don't see any spot on this, on either roster where the Broncos are better than the Packers. Outside linebackers, the only position I think they're, they're close. Um, you, you, I, Von Miller's there, so you can maybe stay Broncos the edge, but the Smiths have been playing well, so I do like them. So I'd, I'd kind of look to, other than the two running backs, maybe avoid other Broncos players. Uh, I don't really like playing Joe Flacco this week. Again, Kayla's point, I, I like playing Gardner Minshew. If you had to choose between Flacco or Gardner Minshew, I'd play Minshew Thursday and then worry about the rest of your position Sunday. Uh, I, I don't really like this matchup for him. Uh, they forced a few turnovers on Kirk Cousins. And it's not that great of an offensive line. It's, it's decent, but I, I think the Packers pass rush is going to get after him, force a few turnovers, at least get some sacks, maybe a fumble here or there. I don't like Noah Fant. I don't like Dan- Deshaun Hamilton. He doesn't seem to have any connection with Flacco, and he keeps dropping passes. I, I, I don't know. I think Hamilton's borderline droppable at this point, if not droppable altogether. Play your Packers starters. I think the, the main three are obvious. Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. Those guys are, are must-starts. Uh, for Allison, Valdez, Scantling, I, I do like them. Um, this might end up being a matchup where uh, Devontae Adams in the slot might not actually be hiding from their best corner because uh, Chris Harris is arguably their best cover player. And he does play really well in the slot. So um, I don't know. Maybe that makes easier matchups for Allison and MVS. MVS was getting targets last week. Just the tight coverage, whether it was um, Trey Waynes or, or, or you know Rhodes recovering and, and coming back and breaking up some good passes. Uh, he got some targets. He got six. So I, I think both are worth playing. Jimmy Graham... Kind of, I don't know, touchdown dependent. This could be a matchup where you get a touchdown for sure. Uh, same with Jamal Williams, although I, I don't think touchdown dependent running back is a great thing. Maybe a flex is the deepest, deepest. Like when we were talking, like you have three, four flex spots after your one or two positional spots. Like when you're talking deep leagues, Jamal Williams is maybe an option. Uh, you might not get a touchdown every week. So you, <laughs> your chance was probably last week against the Vikings. Who knew that? Uh, but yeah, I do like I do like Allison and MVS this week. I think they're probably worth playing more so than Graham and Williams. Any uh, any comments for this game? Alexander, do you have anything? No, I'm good. Yeah, um, I just like playing with Lindsay this week. In my opinion, that's the only thing I wanted to add. Um, I think he's going to get his first touchdown of the year. He hasn't had favorable game matchups um, the first two weeks. He is more favorable this week. Um, he's going against the 23rd-ranked rush defense. Um, so I know there's been reports that Denver is moving, kind of trying to move away from Philip Lindsay and going to Royce Freeman. Uh, I don't believe that for a second. Um, I think, you know, while Denver might be down in this game um, and we'll have to throw some, obviously Royce Freeman is the better pass-catching back. They're not going to not run the football, especially with the way that 
uh, Lindsay can can burst for extra yardage and have a lot of yards after contact. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, he's going to get his first touchdown and they're going to need him in this game. The other side I like with Lindsay, he seems to be their goal line back. Uh, through two games, they've had, uh, between Lindsay and Freeman, they've had uh, six red zone carries, four to Lindsay, two to Freeman. And when Lindsay got his, it was inside the five. So that spot where, you, you know, you think a, a running back is more likely to score a touchdown, it's a bit of an edge there to Lindsay. Freeman still gets some work in that in that area. And as you mentioned, Freeman's, I think he's a better pass catcher. I've, I mean, I think all along that Freeman's a better running back. I know last year I was totally blindsided by Philip Lindsay. I, I really bought into Royce Freeman last season. Uh, in terms of playing time, they're both about 50%. I know uh, it was 53-47 Lindsay in favor of Lindsay week one, but it would flip to 52-48 in favor of Freeman last week. So even though, you know, Freeman got a bit of an uptick, it's, you know, they're basically splitting the work 50-50. And, it, you know, it caps both upside. But then again, and maybe in the right spots, you could even play both. I'd be, I, I don't know. It'd be a tough build to have both of those guys. It would have been really tough to draft both and have both on your same team. But for people who have them, I think either option is is decent. Uh, the reason I have them under maybe is because if you, if you have better options, I think I would look elsewhere. Like, I, I, I don't know if you feel this way, Kayla. I would definitely play Leonard Fournette over either of them. Let's not get into that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe let's uh I guess move on to the next subject. Alessandro, your turn. You're up. Uh fly <laughs> us fly us here on or take us on a horse. I don't know. Whatever. Get us get us out of here. Plane trains, automobiles, <laughs> the Falcons and the Colts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cow, that was uh, drastic. Um and it's uh let's it's, um bold the, Honestly bold the drama. NFL is the NFL is all about drama, man. Like it's it's one giant soap opera. I know that's why that that that's half the fun of it, man. Next half week, the... <laughs> NFL. Exactly. Like a damn. Does Antonio Brown have a twin? Like, is this is been a twin the whole time? <laughs> that would be a twist. No, but we do find out the DNA test Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah, the clone <laughs> begins. We'll see the we'll see the Clone Wars. Oh, yay, Star Wars! All right. Hey, so, it's be- uh, it's better than the Last Jedi. Anyway, Colts, Falcons, Colts, Falcons, um, they're playing in Indianapolis. Uh, Falcons are coming off a nail biter uh, win against Eagles. In this game, um, it's very hard to choose who you like. Uh, Colts, they uh, had an interesting couple of weeks under Jacoby Brissett after Andrew Luck retired. So it's kind of hard trusting any of their wide receivers. Um, I, I know D.Y. Hill and all them took a hit, especially, uh, with Andrew Luck is gone. Jacoby Brissett is in, um, obviously Jacoby Brissett is not Andrew Luck since he went 17 for 28, 146 yards, three t- touchdowns, one interception. So the work is there as far as touchdown work, but after that is not much else. Um, and, and then that's worrisome when you got guys like, T.Y., Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, um, Chester Rogers has been a new name coming out here. Um, so that, 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 that's a little bit worrisome since you want since you have those guys and you're starting them. Um, T.Y. still had a touchdown, 43 yards. Uh, he's still the most targeted wide receiver. Uh, Eric Ebron is still the most targeted tight end on that team, so you're going to definitely play those two. Um, as far as running back goes, Marlon Mack leads the 
Ryan, Ryan, the excuse me. Uh, Marlon Mack leads the rushing in Indianapolis. He had 20 carries, 51 yards, which is god awful. But um, yeah, he still leads the thing. And Nikhil Himes is the catching back with some rushing upside. So take that, take that however you want. Uh, I still, I still wouldn't trust him against the Falcons, um, who did pretty well against the Eagles. Uh, holding the Eagles rushers, uh, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Carson Carson Wentz to a uh, whopping 49 total yards. So I would not trust any Indianapolis Colts. So the only Colt I would trust is Ty and Ebron, and you could probably argue for Tristan Rogers or Jack Doyle. Um, flip side of that is the Falcons, who, like I said, won in a nail biter at the very end thanks to Julio. Matty Ice, obviously you're going to start him. 27 completions on 43 attempts, 320 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, I like him to do a lot better. Less touch, less interceptions, more touchdowns, hopefully. Um, it's just that Eagles defense is really good. So uh, I would that that's where the interceptions come in. And the Colts defense has been trending down. I know they won in the I know they won the game at the very end with that field goal, but they've been trending down it seems, just giving up yardage. I mean, Mariota went for 154 yards, one touchdown, but Henry was able to rush it 80, 82 yards on 15 carries. So um, I feel like they're trending down, or just like and they're plateaued, as best I could put it. Um, Run game couldn't get going. Devontae Freeman led the run game, but Aito Smith uh, led in yardage. He only had four carries for 32 yards off of that one massive 28-yard run. So um, take that as you will. But Devontae Freeman is the lead back. He had 11 carries, 22 yards, which is terrible. But again, the Eagles defense is pretty good. I expect them both to have a much better game, hopefully. Julio, you're obviously going to start. Julio, you're obviously going to start. Calvin Ridley, they had... As we talked before, Kyle, almost identical stats. I mean, both had 10 targets. Julio caught five of them for 106 yards, two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley caught eight of them for 105 yards, one touchdown. I mean, it's scary how similar those stats are. Um, after that, it just it, it's a huge drop-off to Devontae Freeman. Three for four, 42 yards, no touchdowns. So, um, in this game, take Julio, take Ridley. Take Matty Ice uh, with a grain of salt. Um, and uh, take Devontae Freeman and Aito Smith. I feel like there won't be a handcuff um, if Devontae Freeman can't get uh, himself going. And uh, I don't trust either defenses in this game. It does have that kind of low-key, like, oh, it could be a shootout feel that, yeah, you don't really trust either defense. Uh, to Jacoby Brissett's credit, he outscored... Uh, what Baker Mayfield did against the Titans. You mentioned Brissetti had what, 17 points, 17.34. Baker only scored 12.4 against the Titans. So <laughs> Brissett did better than Mayfield. I don't know if that's a good sign or just it's a really bad sign for Mayfield. Uh, but either way, uh, I, I do like your Freeman call, and especially we we're talking about Derrick Henry, how much he gained. Uh, in week one, Freeman fumbled, and he ended up splitting the, the snaps exactly 50-50 with Edo Smith. This game, however, week two, it was 62% Freeman, 38% Smith. And that was, I mean, they did lead, right? And that's maybe where where things are looking with them is that Freeman's going to be more the early down back. Uh, they both got red zone looks, although it was Ito Smith 
who, and I, I only say unfortunately for, for my own greedy needs, because I do have a lot of Demonte Freeman, but it was Ito Smith who got the, the carry inside the five-yard line, which, again, and that's the second week in a row that happens. So it seems like he, it, it does seem like they want Ito, Ito Smith to be there, their goal line back. So that kind of concerns me a bit for Freeman, but the playing time is definitely skewed in Freeman's favor. So I, I agree, I would play him. I think I'd play Mac. Uh, talk about playing time skewed. 76% of the snaps in week one, 68 in week two. Naeem Hines with uh, went from 27% to 19% in week two. It seems like he's, again, again, that was a lower scoring game, not as much passing. So maybe Hines gets a, a, an uptick, but it's still tough to trust him. I know I've got him in quite a few leagues. I do really like him a lot. And I don't, I don't think I've played him. I don't really want to play him here. Uh, as you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton's a good play. Jack Doyle, man. 71% of the snaps in the last week, 68 in the first week, and he still doesn't have a red zone target, which is where you, you'd want him. That's where Doyle's going to make his production is touchdowns. Um, and he's not really getting the targets either to, to sustain anything. It's it's really tough to play him. I kind of agree with that, that Ebron is the better play. Uh, Kayla, I know you have the Ravens-Chiefs game, and I think we're all looking forward to talking about that. But if you do want to mention anything about the Falcons and Colts, feel free. Um, yeah, I want to just harp on Devontae Freeman for a little bit. Um, I'm going to start him in all formats because Indianapolis has struggled uh, um, covering Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler. Uh, Indianapolis has the 30th-ranked rush defense, um, and it's just evident by what they've given up to Eckler and Henry in the first two weeks, whether it's scores or yardage. Um, I think because Freeman has been involved uh, kind of in the passing game. Um, I think I think he has at least 50 yards. Either he I either read that he had 50 yards last week or he had 50 yards combined so far. If it's combined, it's not as compelling. Um, I just don't remember the stat. My apologies. Um, but I think you can trust him this week as a starting running back just because of the way that Indianapolis has struggled with rush defense. Um, that's kind of what burned them real early the first week against the Chargers, even though they came back to force overtime. They couldn't stop Austin Eckler for their life. Um, it seemed like they didn't know what they were doing, and we were really concerned about Indianapolis's offense in the first week, but um, their rush defense looked atrocious. So if that keeps up, um, then Devontae Freeman should have the opportunity to have his best game of the season so far, in my opinion. Uh, it was uh, actually it was 64 yards combined in week two, 22 rushing, 42 through the air, four targets in each game, which uh, that's a good sign for Freeman. You know, consistency with targets. If you can get four targets a game, I think we're pretty happy with that. Uh, but speaking of happy, I think this game is going to make everybody happy. Two two and O teams kind of clashing, and I know they met last year, and that was quite uh, one of the definitely one of the better games this season. I know the the Chiefs had one against the Rams that I think we all would agree was a bit more entertaining and better, but. Uh, Chiefs-Ravens last year was really fun, and I'm looking forward to it this year. So, Kayla, I'm, I'm also looking forward to your preview of this, so uh, don't make us wait any longer. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm just excited because I think this is the the game that has the highest potential to be the biggest shootout. Um, I, like you said, it was exciting last year, and I don't think it's going to disappoint this year. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for Baltimore's tight end, Mark Andrews. Um, He's been the most consistent and effective offensive weapon for the first two weeks. He had eight targets in each of his first two games and only one drop combined. Um, he has a touchdown in each game with both games. He went over 100 yards. Um, 
I'm starting him in all formats. I'm super excited about it. I think he's going to continue that streak, uh, especially if the Chiefs were Baltimore to come from behind. Um, I know that Lamar Jackson is successful running the football, but now with such a strong um, option to Mark Andrews, he doesn't have to do as much running, and he actually has showed us that he's not just a running back. So I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, this is my own personal opinion, but um, I'm excited with what he's shown uh, throwing the football. Um, now Kansas City does have a better defense than what the Ravens have faced and the Dolphins are the 32nd-ranked defense and the Cardinals are the 31st-ranked defense. Um, I, that's definitely a big reason why the Ravens are 2-0, but I'm not going to discredit the weapons that they have and how their defense plays. Um, I'm also going to start wide receiver Marquise Brown for Baltimore. Um, although he does face a lot of those changes with what I was just talking about in coverage on defense, this game has to be a shootout. If it's not, I'm going to be so disappointed, and I really don't think anyone's going to see that coming. Um, someone has to catch the ball in the wide receiver core, even though Mark Andrews is going to see a lot of targets. Uh, Brown, I think, is the most likely to be right up there in pace with him. Um, even though I personally don't feel like we have a solid understanding of his play after uh, the first two weeks, we might not necessarily – um, after this game, just because I think of the high volume of targets and how each team is going to throw. Um, so that's something I want to monitor going forward. But for this game, I'm going to start him in all formats just because of the potential. And then obviously, I'm going to start Lamar Jackson just because of the run and pass that he offers. Um, he's met, He matched Mahomes in passing touchdowns last year when they played. They both had two Um even though Lamar Jackson had just 147 yards through the air. So um, that bodes well for Andrews and Brown and then the other receivers on Baltimore's offense because it, it shows that Lamar Jackson was comfortable throwing the ball when he didn't do that a lot as much last year um, in, in the red zone and for scores. Um, so that's important to note. Um, for Kansas City, wide receivers that I'm starting, I'm starting Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, and Nicole Harden. Um, I think Mahomes is going to lean on the passing game and it's going to tire Baltimore out early. Um, so with that being said, obviously I'm starting Patrick Mahomes um, just because of the attack through the air. He has seven touchdowns this season in two games. Um, and he had 377 yards and those two scores last year against Baltimore. Um, I'm so high on those wide receivers because if I'm in fantasy, I'm sitting uh, Kansas City running back Damian Williams. He didn't practice today because of his knee. Um, he's questionable for Sunday, and it doesn't help that LaShawn McCoy took more reps in practice today, obviously, with him being out, but also had some more reps in the games than maybe people might have thought. Um, McCoy did practice, even though he got a little banged up in the game, and uh, there was a report that McCoy is more on track to be more healthy in the game on Sunday. Um, obviously, it's early. We don't know if Damian Williams is going to play or not. My guess is that he plays. Um, I haven't heard any serious reports on the knee issue, but him not practicing today is not just uh, just to rest him. I do think he is injured, so I don't think he's coming into this game at 100%. Um, and with the shootout, it, it the run game might just be kind of eliminated altogether. Um, and then I have a sleeper with LaShawn McCoy, like I was talking about, with the more reps and Williams to do his injury. Um, and he'll offer a change of pace for the game, and when they get Kansas City gets down closer to the goal line, um, I think he definitely has the chance to have some punch for touchdowns. 
Um, as far as defenses go, I really like Baltimore's defense, but I'm sitting both of them this week. Just to expand upon the the LaShawn McCoy talk, if, if if he seems like he's limited, Darwin Thompson, I think, becomes a good play in this case. Um, maybe strictly for the, the change of pace kind of going forward because you're not you can't just pass on every single play. Um, so they're going to need a rush game. But I'm I'm kind of afraid to play uh Damian Williams. So yeah, if there's definitely an, any injuries for McCoy with any limitations in the game then that sleeper becomes a sit because I'm not going to trust a not healthy quarterback to be a change, or running back to be a change of face in this game. I think you said it best, though, throughout. I mean, in the most case, you're just going to want to start as many players in this game as possible. Yeah. Uh, a low-key matchup just to throw in there. Why not? I know, I, especially in tight end premium formats, especially those with multiple flex spots. Hayden Hurst, he caught a touchdown last week. Yeah, it was his only catch. But uh, as much as... You know, we see Lamar Jackson likes to throw to the tight end. And, and yeah, Mark Andrews is obviously getting most of them. But, I don't know, if if, if needed, I think uh, Hayden Hurst could be a, a good emergency tight end. Uh, I mean, if someone who who lost Hunter Henry, for instance, or has seen O.J. Howard produce so poorly, um, you know, mm-hmm. feeling like he wanted out somewhere, maybe 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 Hayden Hurst gets a touchdown this game. Maybe he gets two. Who knows? Uh, just, a, again, de- you can get pretty desperate at tight ends sometimes in some leagues. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, I guess, move on to, to I, I, we could sail on to this game and in boats, Raiders and Vikings, uh, Battle of the Sea. Hopefully, it, it, I mean, it's in Minnesota, so it's not going to rain on them. It's uh, a dome game, which I suppose helps uh, if it does get to a shootout. But uh, I know there's a few players, I think, that are definitely must starts. Josh Jacobs, uh, he's been incredibly involved, not too much in the passing game, but they've they've run him so much. And considering the Vikings like to play a run-style game, too, I feel like that's a good kind of game pace for Jacobs to be in. The both teams are going to want to slow the clock down, not score too many points, keep the run game possible. So I think Jacobs is probably the best player to play from the Raiders. I like Darren Waller, uh, but I don't like Tyrell Williams too much. Uh, he He's getting enough volume to be good, but he's probably going to get covered by uh, Xavier Rhodes. So uh, I don't know. That scares me. I, I'm definitely trying to look elsewhere for him deeper leagues you know he, he gets the enough volume to play him it's kind of my same argument with with Fournette right if you've got three you know three four flex spots he could be worth it then uh but otherwise I think I'd look to avoid Tyrell Williams and to that sake avoid Derek Carr I said avoid Jalen Richard because I again I don't think it's a big shootout where they're gonna have to come back so I think it's mostly just uh Josh Jacobs Hunter Renfro being a slot receiver kind of getting away from Howard maybe a bit better but I don't know. I, I feel like the only Raiders I want to play are Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. And for the Vikings, I think it's uh, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Stephon Diggs uh, are must plays. They got really shut down by the Packers defense last week. I don't think this Raiders defense is as good as the Packers defense. And to, to that, a certain extent, maybe they're, I don't think they're as good as the Falcons either. So this is probably the best matchup that Cook uh, that uh, Diggs and Thielen have gotten all year. I think it's. I think you still got to play them. Uh, sort of in the same position. I think they were taking kind of around maybe a little earlier than what Fournette was going. So it was kind of to that same argument earlier. You kind of have to play them. Do you really have that many better options you can afford to bench either Thiggs or Thielen? Uh, Diggs or Thielen? Uh, I, I kind of like playing Kirk Cousins. Uh, I mean, did, didn't uh, Joe Flacco get a rushing touchdown? He got a red zone rush with, against them. And 
Cousins has already done that once this year. He did kind of do that a little bit in Washington. Maybe he gets a touchdown here rushing. Certainly doesn't look like there's too much pass volume. I don't think he's going to only pass it 10 times, but I also don't think he's going to pass it the 30-plus times he did last week. I think it's going to be probably around 20 attempts, kind of, I, I picture for you know early Jim Harbaugh era Alex Smith right going eighteen for nineteen, looking like the best thing ever uh, before Kaepernick got there and, and kind of brought that team to a, at least really close to a Super Bowl victory. Um, so yeah, so maybe maybe Kirk Cousins is a play. I think if you're in super flex leagues and you you don't really have another great option, I think I, I'd still consider playing him. It, it definitely doesn't have to be started every week. Uh, and Chad, baby, maybe I, I said maybe here, but I, even then, I don't think I don't think you go. It'd be tough to go deep enough to really make Chad, baby, a, an option. Kyle Rudolph, I talk about the desperation at tight ends, but really, it's it's difficult with him. He's played a hundred percent of the offensive snaps this year outside of quarterbacks. I don't think there's even Christian McCaffrey took, uh, had missed a, a snap or two in the, the Bucks game. Like it's it's really tough to play to find a hundred percent players like that, and he's barely gotten any targets. Like he's out there all the time just blocking. A uh, little bit. It was a better game for the Packers. He actually did catch a pass on like week one, but it's I don't know. I I you have to be really desperate. Like I, I don't know. I'd rather throw a, Ver, a Vernon Davis. I almost said Vernon Adams again. Geez, uh, I'd throw a Vernon Davis up there over Kyle Rudolph. Um, we can travel from boat to sea or from sea to boat uh, to to a plane soon with the Jets. But uh, Kayla, Alessandro, any comments about the Raiders Vikings? You're killing me, Smalls. Um, okay, I'll I'll bite on your Tyrell Williams call. Um, I agree with you. Um, only in the sense that he's playing Minnesota on the road and he, late in the game last week, um, he he left their matchup uh, with a hip injury. And just because I'm a Dolphins fan, I know how scary these can get. Albert Wilson had the same hip injury last year that landed him on IR midway through the season. Um, he only missed four uh, offensive snaps. He played 61 of 65 in the game. But I'm really nervous to play him on the road against a Minnesota defense, and he's not 100%. Um, and I know that you know the Vikings have given up touchdowns. Uh, I believe one to both Ridley and Julio, and I think. Uh, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it went to Geronimo Allison um, when they played them. Um, so I, I like, you know, the upside that Tyrell Williams had, which is not 100%, and we don't really know the severity of the hip injury. Um, it could be concerning that he doesn't play the entire game, uh, especially if he's doing this thing. Yeah, okay, so then uh, Alessandro, uh Let's talk about the Jets and the Patriots, if you want. We can skip it if you want to. <laughs> no, we have to talk about it because it's an interdivisional rival game, and we always play them harder. All right. So, Jets have – the New England Patriots will be hosting the New York Jets in Foxborough, the land of the cold, land of the hood, however you want to call it. Um I know uh, Darth Vader will be up there plotting our doom and gloom. Um, Jets are on their third-string quarterback, Luke Folk. They added another quarterback, uh, Davin or Damien or whatever his name is, uh, Fails. Uh, another Gase product, I guess, 
Adam Gaze couldn't get enough of himself down in Miami. Nice. Bringing everything up to New York. Um, Enjoy. You know, it, 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 it sounded good in theory to begin with, but now I just, I'd rather have bowls at, bowls at this point. Um, anyways, Church Simeon went out. He's on the IR. He uh, went down after Miles Garrett landing on him a very good number of times. Um, refs, where are you? You managed to find Jamal Adams, but not, you know, the guy who got called roughing rough the passer. Come on, refs. Um, You're not bothered so, by that at all. I'm pissed. I'm just trying to be tempered. Um, so, anyways, Luke Folk went in. He actually looked sharp, 20 for 25, 198. Um, he kind of jump-started the offense, but uh, a fumble by Le'Veon Bell and a drop pass by Le'Veon Bell kind of killed the drive and any hopes of the Jets winning that game. But um, he looked good. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, he's the next coming of Brady or anything of that nature, because he's not, as far as I know. But I would like to say there's a lot of similarities between him and Tom. Tom came in after the Jets knocked out Drew Bledsoe in Week 2. Luke Folk came in after he uh, Trevor Simeon got knocked out week two. Both got drafted 199, both from a school not known for their QB style, and both inherited an offense that was terrible, and they built it up to something great. So, just saying, a lot, a lot of similarities, but uh, I think the 2,199 QB is going to win here. Uh, Le'Veon looked good, 21 carries, 68 yards. Uh, he didn't get a touchdown in either, but he did get 61 receiving yards. So um, the volume's still there. You're obviously going to still play Le'Veon. Uh, I would ex- temper expectations with Jets wide receivers. Uh, Patriots are um, a much better defense than what the Jets have been playing. Um, I don't trust any Jets wide receiver besides Crowder be- only because he's a slot receiver and Luke Folk likes the slot receiver. Um, but Robbie did catch um, four times off of six targets, so he did have a much better day than his week one. Uh, he did get 81 yards. Um, Crowder, uh, he didn't get his volume from week one, which was 14 targets for 14. Um, but he did get six for four for 40 yards. So, um, But he did get that 130, and he is a slot receiver. Like I said, uh, they love the slot, so uh, I may play Crowder. Uh, just because he's slot. Not playing the Jets defense for obvious reasons. Uh, still banged up, and I've lost two more people. Yay. Um, as far as the Patriots go, uh, they shellacked the Dolphins. Sorry, Kayla, but there's no other word for it. Um, Tom Brady, 20 for 28, 264, two touchdowns. Still good, still upper crust, middle of the pack QB. Um, obviously you don't want to play him, but maybe not. Um, they may run the ball more just because the Jets run defense is being really terrible right now. And the passing defense has improved somewhat. So, um, I expect a much bigger day from Sonny Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White over AB, Julian Elman, but I still expect them to, uh, post up some good numbers against the Jets. Um, would not trust Josh Gordon, only because he's odd man out, it seems. A.B., Julian Elman, Rex Burkhead, Philip Dorsett, 
Um, Matt Lacoste, Ben Watson when he comes back. All those guys are going to be ahead of Josh Gordon unless Josh Gordon can uh, break apart a couple of runs. But, um, yeah, Brady, Sony Michelle, Rex, James, pick one combination of the three. And then A.B., Julie Elman, um, and uh, Philip Darcet will probably be the only Patriots guys. I know that we're getting disrespected by Las Vegas, but it is inter-rival, inter and we have something of a working defense. Um, so I don't think it's going to be a massive blowout, but blowout nonetheless. <clears throat> Did I miss anything? I mean... I think you went too much. I, I don't know that I'd play Crowder, to be honest. I, I I can't see myself playing any Jet player not named Le'Veon Bell. It's just, it's, this, this could get too much of an ugly blow to the point where, I know, I think, I think they'll probably score points. I don't know if they'll get shut out, but they, I mean, they, they could get shut out. Well, I will say this. The Jets last year, when we were a lot worse, still managed to be fancy relevant against the Patriots in Foxborough. And we were much worse off last year. So I will say that. Fair enough. Was that was that one of the McCown games? Uh, no, that was the Darnold game. Yeah, just Luke Falk's your starting quarterback. I don't know. I don't know how you could have been worse off last year. And I mean, I guess you still have Leonard Williams, regardless, in both. But I guess you didn't have Quinn and Williams last year. So I guess or or Le'Veon or James yeah. or Demarius or half my old line. My old line was a lot worse. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. I'll give you that. But I don't know. I'd be scared to start Crowder. I, I do agree with you, though, of being hesitant to play Josh Gordon. Uh, it does seem like of all the players, he's the one who took the biggest hit with uh, with Brown being there. Uh, someone who doesn't, like, you know, Edelman and White have so much familiarity with, with Brady. Um, I mean, Gordon played 79% of the snaps. And what, he only, he only caught two passes? Uh, Philip Dorsett's he saw his playing time cut in half, so he took a big hit to the point where I don't know that I'd play Philip Dorsett even in the deepest of leagues. But I think Edelman, I almost wonder if Burkhead's a start. Like, if you're desperate enough at running back, deep enough leagues, he, he could be. He could get touchdowns. I, 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 you got to start Michelle, though. Got to start White. Got to start Edelman. Got to start Brown. Yeah, I think you had a pretty much line there. Kayla, how about you? Um, I don't think you have to start White at all. I think you can drop him from your team. Um, I was very disappointed last week. I, I put him in my flex and fantasy because I thought he was going to have a field day against the Dolphins, um, especially with Brady, you know, having, being, making it real easy for him to throw to anybody. Um, and he only had three catches when he is the passing back of the two, um, I guess three, if you're going to argue that Burkhead uh, is a solid running back for them. Um, so I don't think you have to play James White at all, especially with the emergence of Antonio Brown. I mean, the fact that Josh Gordon took such a hit, um, I can't imagine what it's going to do to James White going forward. Um, I think the situation with the Patriots now with uh, Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, and Julian Edelman kind of remind me of the Rams, um, as it's likely that, you know, the Rams trio of Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup, one of them each week is going to take some kind of hit um, they all have high ceilings, but usually one of them is just kind of left out uh, stats-wise in the game, which really hurts your fantasy production. Um, so I don't really think that uh, Gordon having a good day depends on matchups anymore, or uh, arguably Brown or Adam having a good day. I think it just 
they have to make sure they're not the odd man out. Um, so I think he could go off. I think he could also be left out in production like you guys were talking about. Um, I could play him as a number three wide receiver in my fantasy league, but it just scares me that uh, there's most likely going to be one of those guys that's the odd man out each week, and I really think that Edelman is not going to be one of those guys for a majority of time, which kind of leaves it down to Gordon and Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily sit him, but I don't think he's a must-start anymore. So that concerns me if I took him kind of high in my draft. To your credit with James White, he did see his targets go down from seven to, to four last week. So, uh, but he scored two touchdowns, so it was a better fantasy day. <laughs> um, White well, only had one touchdown last week. Oh, okay. Maybe I missed that wrong. I thought it was one receiving, one rushing. You nope. could be wrong. It's disappointing in my fantasy league. Yeah, no rushing. That's I was why just the I know. My mistake. <laughs> I don't know. I read that wrong. Yeah, just the receiving touch. But still. Uh, and yeah. it came really late in the game where it didn't even matter. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, although, I mean, it, that, no offense, Alessandro, that similar scenario could happen here with garbage time. So I, I guess I, I, you're right, Kelly. I do see your point that he's not a must-start, but I, I still want to play him. I, I definitely like him a lot. Actually, one decision we talked about, Tyrell Williams. I'd much rather play James White than Tyrell Williams this week. Well, just because yeah. James White isn't injured. I mean, I would have to agree with you because he's not injured, but... Give me Tyrell. Really? Yeah, seriously. I'd rather have Tyrell Williams because he is the number one there versus James White, who's buried behind Sonny Michelle, Rex Burkhead, AB, and and like insert nine other guys' names, probably two more to add two more. Well, well, I mean, just to be fair, if we're talking receivers, then we got to say Williams isn't really the number one guy there. Josh Jacobs is the number one guy there. In receiving? Well, just in general, in terms of usage, right? Like, I mean... If Brady's number one weapon I mean, is Edelman, the Edelman Brown connection, then the Raiders' number one weapon is Josh Jacobs. Like that's that's what they they want to run the football. So you know, I suppose I suppose it's kind of like uh, you know the run game is kind of the second fiddle in in the Patriots, especially that in that it's so split up, and I guess the pass game is kind of the second fiddle for the Raiders. At least that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm still taking Tyrell. I mean, you're. Running backs have the most are the most used on any team, um, depending on the team. I mean, even still, they are the most used because you could just start pounding the ball, checkdowns, the whole nine. When you're talking about receiving, Tyrell Williams is the number one there versus James White, who is buried behind. So Michelle Rex Burkhead, in terms of work, and if you want to talk about receiving, he's behind. A whole slew of wide receivers, a couple of Walmart baggers, and you know, let's just throw let's just throw in the bus boy from uh, some insert random movie. I mean, he he's buried on a depth chart. All right. Well, I guess uh, I don't know. I don't trust your judgment there on this one, Mister Judge uh, Ito, Aido, or Alessandro, sure. whatever however court, you refer to sir. yourself. Attempt the court. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think well. So that's uh, we've done eight games. That's half of them. We'll do the other half of the slate of games in our the part two of this episode. So, uh, Kayla, Alessandro, any parting words before we go? Good night, Alessandro. Good night. It's gonna be a long week. <laughs> and uh, good night to you all. This was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. 
Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Uh, for your gracious co- hosts, you can follow Kayla at MortonSalt74, Alessandro at AM underscore Senator, and myself, Kyle Senator, at Yama underscore KS. Uh, be sure to check out uh, this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and also check us out on the Full Press Radio Network, streaming 24-7. Not just us, but all sorts of great talent from the Full Press coverage family and from, with, and from outside. All sorts of great content on the radio network. Um, until the next episode, thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Pod.